of some of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. Last Sunday, if you remember, we were with John's Gospel in that upper room when Jesus appeared to the locked-in disciples and showed them the wounds on his hands and on his feet. This week, we're with Luke. Now, for us, it's been two weeks since Easter. We've gotten a little used to resurrection by now. Yet for the disciples in our story this morning, walking to the town of Emmaus, it's only been a few hours. It is still Easter Sunday. Their heads are still spinning from all that they've witnessed over the weekend, the betrayal, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the disturbing news from the women that he was not there. What do you do with such news? The one you trusted in, the one who was supposed to be different, to be the one, is dead. And now his body is lost. It's almost too much to bear, so they flee town, leave Jerusalem, get away from all the mess, and they head to Emmaus. What would you have done? But here's the funny thing about Emmaus. As far as we know, Emmaus does not exist. There's no archaeological evidence that such a town existed so close to Jerusalem. There's no historical evidence. It is mentioned nowhere else but in the passage we just read, not in any other gospel, not in any other piece of ancient literature, just here. Emmaus is literally nowhere. Confronted with the mystery of Easter Sunday, these disciples get away from everyone and everywhere they had known and flee to nowhere. Now, I wonder, have you ever fled to Emmaus? Frederick Beekner writes of Emmaus that it can be a trip to the movies just for the sake of seeing the movie or a cocktail party just for the sake of the cocktails. Emmaus may be buying a new suit or a new car or drinking more than you really want. Emmaus may be going to church on Sunday. Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred, that even the wisest and bravest and loveliest decay and die, that even the noblest ideas that men have had, ideas about love and freedom and justice, have always in time been twisted out of shape by selfish people for selfish ends. Emmaus is where we go, where these two disciples went to, to try to forget about Jesus and the great failure of his life. I wonder, have we ever been to Emmaus? Strangely, just as these two disciples are getting as far away as they can from all this that happened to Jesus, Jesus shows up. They don't know it's him. In fact, no one seems to know who Jesus is in these post-resurrection stories. They think he's a gardener. They think he's a ghost. They think he's a stranger. Jesus is walking down the road with two of his own disciples who had spent years with him, and they cannot even recognize him. Perhaps they never saw Jesus in the first place. His face, maybe. But his life turned out so very different than what they expected. It's like they never even knew him. 
And that's the topic of their conversation when the stranger Jesus appears. They tell him about how disappointed they are with the one they had given their life to. Of the reports of those who had visited the tomb. They saw the empty tomb, but the travelers say almost ironically, they did not see Jesus. I wonder, how many times do we not see Jesus? Even when Christ is standing right in front of us. Or the strangest part of all these post-resurrection stories that in every one of them, Jesus is never in the tomb where you would expect him to be just waiting for them to show up. He's never in the tomb. When we arrive at the tomb, it's already empty. We show up Easter morning hoping to see that scene from Christian art with Jesus emerging from the tomb triumphantly. You've seen it before, the, the glow of the sunrise behind him. But those images, that's not the story. When Easter Jesus is seen, it's always after the resurrection. Throughout all four Gospels, there are these stories that where Jesus interrupts ordinary life. Mary goes to the tomb, expects to find the body of Jesus, instead finds that empty tomb, and then later in the garden. That's where she sees Jesus. As we saw last week, the disciples are in an upper room just huddled away, wondering, not sure what will happen next. And suddenly Jesus is just there in the room. Peter encounters the risen Jesus while he's fishing. Tombs are no place to find the risen Christ. It's here in the ordinary part of life, unlikely places where we go to move on, to get away or give up when we least expect it. That's where Jesus shows up. Frederick Buechner continues that it's precisely at such times as these that Jesus is apt to come into the very midst of life in its most real and inescapable, not in a blaze of unearthly light, not in the midst of a sermon, I'm sorry, not in the throes of some kind of religious daydream, but at supper time or walking along a road. Now, as night approaches and the story of the stranger Jesus begins to walk ahead of these disciples like he's going to leave. But they make a bold move. Who knows why? But something within them says, no, stop him. And so they yell ahead, stay with us. And Jesus does. The two disciples prepare their evening meal before they go to bed, much like the disciples prepared that meal on the night Jesus was betrayed. They want to show their guest hospitality. That's what good hosts do. Yet even though it's their table and their bread, Jesus grabs the loaf as if it is his. And Luke tells us that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Now, if you're not thinking about communion at this point, you are not paying attention. Right there in the midst of of the meal. Two disciples are sharing this meal with Jesus and this stranger takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And Luke tells us that is when their eyes are opened. For when they see Jesus as the host of the table, sharing a meal, showing hospitality to them, that's when the stranger becomes Jesus in their midst. I wonder if that's why we sometimes miss Jesus when he might be right in front of us. We're looking 
in the wrong places. We look for fanfare and for miraculous. We expect the risen Christ to appear uh, in some religious high, interrupting a journey. We expect for the risen Christ to appear to us from on high, interrupting our journey to nowhere with angels singing choruses of hallelujahs and showers of light. And instead, Jesus shows up in the midst of life, right? In the middle of our doubts and our fears, in the midst of the mess of real everyday life on our journey to nowhere. At a table, sharing bread is Jesus. Now, had we spent some time reading through all of Luke's gospel, I recommend it, by the way, we would have seen that everywhere throughout his story, Jesus is at a table, always eating, In one such story from Luke 14, Jesus is in the middle of a dinner when one of the dinner guests just stands up and yells. And I I encourage you to do this sometime in the middle of a meal, perhaps our next fellowship meal. He just stands up and yells, blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Now, this guest has been paying attention. The interruption prompts Jesus to tell one of his infamous stories, one of his parables. He said, Some, some gave a, someone gave a great dinner, and they invited many to it. At the time for the dinner, he sent a messenger to those who had been invited. Come, come now, for everything is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, well, well I just bought a, a new farm at the edge of town. I, I must go out and see it. Please, please accept my apologies. Another said, well, well, I bought five yoke of oxen, and and I'm going to have to to try them out to to get used to them. Please please accept my apologies. And another said, well, well, I just got married, and I'm not going anywhere. Please accept my apologies. So the messenger returned and reported all that had been said to his master. And it made the owner of the house angry. And he said to his messenger, go, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And the messenger did it. And everyone he invited came. He reported back to his master, sir, what you've ordered has been done. And there's still room. Then the master said, well, we'll we'll go back out, go back to the roads, to the lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited at the first will taste my dinner. Strange story. Yet it is the story of Jesus in the Gospels. It is the story of Jesus on this road this morning. Look for Jesus in empty tombs if you want. Look for Jesus in empty churches and empty doctrines. Gaze up into the sky and stare all day if you like. You may find something. You may learn something. But if it's Jesus you're looking for, look along the road to nowhere. Out on the lanes, out in the streets where everyday people are. Look at the face of the stranger. Look at the one who is gathered with you around the table. For the table is prepared. That is the kingdom of God. And had the two disciples not invited this stranger into their home, they would have never seen Jesus. I wonder if our gospel writer is wanting to tell us something. That if it's Jesus we're after... If it's Jesus we are seeking, then inviting strangers to a meal might be the best place 
to start. Christ is risen. You remember from Easter? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And he's waiting for us right here at the table this morning. Amen. Let us sing number 400, our hymn of communion.